Hi, everyone. Today on Chasing Brighter, Jessica and I go through our personality tests. The reason why we decided to do personality tests is because, um, you know, part of our own journey of self-discovery is learning about yourself. And I think that's something that even for me, um, initially when I started down this path and even while I was working with um, a therapist, um, I kind of hated to face, um, I thought it was like me facing things that are wrong with me. And I really had it all wrong. Um, I think part of that self-discovery is really um, learning about what makes you, you, and it isn't a positive or a negative, it is. And so um, it's about really embracing who you are. This is Jessica. This is Kelly, the Chasing Brighter podcast. Hi, everybody. Welcome to today's podcast on the Enneagram personality test. If you're not familiar with it, it is a system of personality, which describes people in terms of nine types each with their own motivations, fears, and internal dynamics. So there are nine types broken down then into to three larger types. So there's the heart type. The heart type would be a type two, the giver. Type three, the achiever. Type four, the individualist. There's a head type, which is type five, the investigator. Type six, the skeptic type seven, the enthusiast, and the body types, which is type eight, the challenger, type nine, the peacemaker, and type one, the perfectionist. Um, as a therapist, I'm often asked what my Enneagram is and also what my Myers-Briggs type is. I really push back on being put in a box. And so I have not taken these tests before, but now as Kelly, I know mentioned in the intro as part of self-discovery and self-exploration, decided to go ahead and take the test. So let's dive in. First, Kelly, do you, what is your type and do you agree with what it says about your type? So when you say my type, is that the, the number one thing? The number, your type number, the Enneagram okay. type. What's your number? My my biggest number is a seven. So you are the enthusiast. What was your percent on that? 98% match. Oh, okay. Okay. And it says the enthusiast sevens want to have as much fun and adventure as possible and are easily bored. Type sevens fear experiencing emotional pain, especially sadness, and actively seek to avoid it by staying busy. Ooh. Okay, is that true? Yeah, I think we've talked um, previously even about just my emotional neglect. Um, and it so really, yeah, I hate- Damn it. I hate being sad. So. I hate being sad. <laughs> um, and- you know, I do really like in my mind, you know, just want to do everything and just always thinking about doing new things. And I do get bored easily. Um, it's a head type too, when you just said in your mind. So you're kind of. Yes. There. Yeah. There was definitely some of that on mine as well. Um, but experiencing everything good and pleasurable in the world. I mean, at the end of the day, it's like a little hedonistic is that the word um yeah. just having fun all the time and not having any not fun 
<laughs> Which is sort of like, who doesn't want to do that? I don't know. Well, and that, well, I think, okay. And then it goes in depth, right? The strengths and the challenges. So what, uh, what does it say are the strengths for the type seven for you? Um, enthusiasm for life, optimism, positive thinking, ability to imagine possibilities, brainstorm many ideas, adventurous, playful, spontaneous, future oriented, able to generate excitement about possibilities. And your challenges? Um, struggle to focus, avoid distractions, find it difficult to deal with limits or constraints. Absolutely. Um, more easily sees what is imagined rather than reality. I don't know about that one. Um, fears, commitment for sure. And the boredom that may come with it, um, has trouble staying in the present moment mm, sometimes. And I want to get into the wings a little bit, but so what basically also just to talk about Enneagram and me saying about being put in a box is that there are also wings. If you see an Enneagram like picture, you know, think of a circle, you know, like a clock, but a nine is on top and then the one, you know, one, two, three, and so forth around in a circle. And then they, they reach and form triangles and do all of these things. And depending on where you are in your life, it's always changing and growing. And you have these um, personality traits they call wings, which can kind of complement, which I found interesting because I, so I am a number three, the achiever, and um, threes are defined by their a desire to achieve. They want to advance in the world. See, this is where I disagree, but whatever, okay. They want to advance in the world and will sacrifice almost anything for success, vigorously pursuing tasks and becoming utterly absorbed in the pursuit of attainment. But they will only choose a task in the first place if it promises rewards and brings prestige. And I shared with you before, that because you and I have started this podcast and are starting a business, I think my head was in like achieving and doing, doing, doing. So it's interesting um, if I took it again and wasn't thinking so much about this business, maybe it would be different. Well, you know, um, or does that sound like me? Yeah, absolutely. It sounds like you. I think that's a better way <laughs> of describing myself. <laughs> Well, it's not, it's not that Jess, it's your whole life, even how you parent. Um, I think that's a great way that I can start describing your parenting style to people too, because I always figure out, try to figure out what it is, but I always used to describe you, Where are you talking and about your other people? spouse as being, we're very different. We're like opposites in a lot of ways, but, um, you, you guys parenting ways is that what you're saying We're um well i mean just okay. bear with me on what i'm saying here um no, I, no, I'm not offended you and your you and your spouse are very focused on achievement for sure i mean look at your accomplishments in life and your what i feel like is your um parenting style is focusing on achievement you've chosen a school that focuses on achievement for your kids. Um, the sports that your kids do, any extracurricular activities that they do, you guys really fully invest in their achievement of that thing, right? So you don't just like, you're not like me, that's like the park district is a half block away, so I'm just gonna throw my kids in whatever sports available. Um, you're more like, if they're going to do this, they're going to get a batting coach and they're going to get a pitching coach because you guys are achievement focused. That's what I think about. 
And also just everything that you, it's interesting that it's like, you know, you do a lot of projects and it, there is maybe an achievement there, even when, cause you love to entertain, maybe there's, it's a, like a challenge for you. I think what's interesting, I was really thinking about this this morning. So I really feel like I lost myself in motherhood for a good decade. <laughs> and I look back, uh, I feel like I've, and we'll get into that with the wings, but like, I feel like I've worked so much to not have a big ego, but I look back when I was a child for sure. Like I was the only girl mathlete. I was in the mathathon, woo woo, mathathon. You know, and I would be like, what? Uh, I have to have the number one score. If somebody got a score higher than me, it would be like all I could do. I, I get all the way back to grade school. I was a valedictorian. I, you know, I, I wanted to always, you know, when we talk about sports, my husband and I were talking and um, her, our daughter sat the bench a little bit. Granted, you know, it's in the hundreds here. And uh, we were like, oh, you sat on the, the bench. And she was like, yeah, you know, our coach is trying to give everybody a break because, you know, we get really tired and we played all these games. And Justin and I were like, did you want to sit the bench? No. Did you want to sit the bench? No way. I would play any position. I don't care what it was. Even if you're good at it, I wanted to play all the time. You know, it's like I wanted to just always be doing is that my you can hear my cat and the meow meowing in the background okay great um anyway um and and I I had that and then then I had kids and maybe I put that in them you know like we were talking like joking when Gabby was a baby but like she was sitting up really early and she was crawling really early oh, yeah, yeah, right, she was like right. hitting all these milestones and my one friend was like like so like joking, but frustrated because Gabby was doing like everything way ahead of all the other babies. <laughs> so, um, I know that I kind of lost myself and I feel like I'm getting that back. You know what I mean? That part of me is coming back in a way, um, you know, where I want to like do the best. Like if I look at this, the strengths are great, go forward, zeal for work, success and goal accomplishment, know how to work a crowd, supremely efficient and productive, risk taker with novel ideas for solutions, good at adapting and improvising. I feel like this one has a lot of challenges, but whatever my challenges are, focused too heavily on personal image, can come across as insensitive or overly competitive in their race to the finish line. Um, again, that was long ago, not like that anymore. Intolerant of failure for themselves or others, repress their emotions to achieve maximum performance and results. I'm an incredibly emotional person, that's not right. Um, can be self-deluded, expertly managing their appearance and reputation to cover up their perceived inadequacies. I don't think that's the case for me. I don't think I'm about image. Do you think I'm about image? Kelly, uh, like I'm in the hot seat. Let me no tell comments. you how it really is. Let me tell you who you really are. No. Um, <laughs> It's not so much like material image, but it is like an achievement image. So, you know, you, the craft situation, right? The like making team t-shirts or the, um, the way that you entertain and the details you go to for when you have special holiday gatherings or birthday parties. So it's not because I enjoy it. It really is for appearance. Because I think I enjoy it. Well, I, no, I'm not. Maybe that's me. I mean... No, but you're right. Like, I think that's where I've grown. So my third child has broken me. And I look back in my middle 11 year old Dominic was like, look at these pictures. And I look at his fifth birthday. I, I don't know if I was on crack. Was that the Lego one know. or was the, the theme? like, it was like the video game one where I made like a four layer cake and I made like the Mario 
fire flour out of mm-hmm. vegetables. And that's when you ordered orange chicken and we had the video game truck come? No, that was the oh. Jurassic part, the Jurassic oh. birthday. Jesse, all of those birthday parties are heavily themed. <laughs> I, know, but, I know, but like Giovanni's birthday is a month after Dominic. So it's like, we just ripped. And like, ripped, unfortunately ripped, ripped, with Gio, it's like, stuff. can anybody come? We'll invite no, anybody. No, just please show up. And... Yeah. Gio, we're like last minute the night before. Hey, does anybody have children? Can you come over? We have all <laughs> no. these dinosaurs. <laughs> I think I'm getting, I think I'm getting better. Look at the last, the birthday. I did nothing. Remember? We just showed up at that place. Well, but that, that was still a significant investment. I mean, that's not achievement. That's really checking a box. Well, for birthdays, we talked, Justin's dad had said something years ago, like Christmas, everybody. So we celebrate Christmas and he was like, if you celebrate Christmas, everyone gets a present. Everyone's doing the same thing, but your birthday is an individual special thing just for you. And so I think that's, I really liked that. So I think I try to kind of minimize Christmas and make their birthday their own special celebration. But it's interesting that you look at it through that lens, Kelly. I do have a problem with achieving. I have some problems. What were your wings? So that's what saying for image. I was thinking personal image, like beauty and look, yeah. but you're saying yeah. overall image, which is very interesting. Um, by the way, this is my core weakness. It says is deceit, believing that they are only good, as good as the image they present to the world. And so they promote vanity and deception. <laughs> Which I feel like is not me. Okay, fine. Oh, um, you know what my core weakness is, by the way? What? Feelings? Gluttony. An insatiable uh, hunger for stimulating experiences okay. of anything. I want to, you psychoanalyze me. I want to psychoanalyze you. Okay, let me judge you for your personality type. No, I think um, where that comes into play, which is so interesting for me, because I've come full circle for you, but I always thought you were, and we talked about this, I think in a podcast that you were selfish. Yeah. I always thought you were, you were selfish, uh, that you would put yourself first and like go on girls weekends or go have a time to yourself or go do all of these things for you and have really strong boundaries. But we've talked about that where, right? I, that's a strength and more of us need to do that, right? More of us need to care for ourselves. But I like, like we've talked before, I, did you, I know I've asked you this last podcast, did you read the gifts of imperfection? No, you did not, right? When she talks about um, numbing and avoiding. So I think it becomes an issue. There's one thing in filling your cup, right? and replenishing your soul and another that you're so busy that you're numbing and avoiding vulnerability. So that would be the balance for you. Yeah. I think that's, I think to your point, that's the work I've done, right. Is like really getting back into that, um, side where maybe I tend to do a lot of things because I want to do them and I can, and trying to, um, I think as you get older, so I think it translates to happiness for me, which is um, I'm doing all the things I want to do, but am I taking a moment to be like, these things are making me happy? Like what truly makes you happy, right? So it's kind of balancing like being um, thoughtful and mindful and in, about and intentional about what you're doing versus um, impulsive. 
I married a, I married a, my partner, right. Is very much the same in that we both like to do things that we like to do. And I think we both have been very, um, like nurturing of that, I guess, you know what I mean? Like, you know, Brian likes cars and Brian likes to do things by himself or he likes to do whatever it is. And we just kind of balance each other out in that way. Um, but I do think that it has been in a lot of ways avoidance and I am trying to be more mature about, you know, emptying the dishwasher, like day-to-day -day activities, right? Folding laundry, you know, I'll jump off and go to the gym or I'll work on things I want to work on, um, to avoid the things that I don't really want to do. And so just, but when I do the things that I'm avoiding, I feel more fulfilled. When you do say that again, when I actually do the thing, I deal with the things I'm avoiding or do them like chores or whatever. Um, I think I I've learned that that fulfills me more, right? Because I don't have to like have that weighing on me either. So I don't know. What are your wings? What do you have as your wings? Okay. What well, first I want to do, I want to go, if that's okay. okay. Hold on. What's your core belief? You, oh. Yeah, that's what I wanted to okay. look at that little. Okay. And then the emotional life. Okay. So my core fear is being exposed as worthless, incompetent, or a failure or to be a nobody. So I've talked about this already on my journey. I'm uncovering that, like these deep, feelings of worthlessness and if I jump real quick down to where it says emotional life so crazy. no 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 childhood childhood origins at some point in their childhood threes have convinced themselves that their value is a irrevocably uh, oh my god can I speak connected to their success and they have to be extraordinary to be loved Whew threes, uh, they, it's hard for threes to believe in the idea of unconditional love. Woo. Woo. That's a tough one there. That is some tough shit. And I think we talked about that in our podcast on our spiritual journeys because man, right girl. Um, to, 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 to think that three does not believe in unconditional love is a, woo. Yeah. Well, it's, I think the purpose of us doing this overall project with Chasing Brighter is that we literally had the same childhood and we had such different experiences. And we were, I always tell people, I feel like we were raised like twins. Um, we all had the yeah. same oh, yeah, like and everything. Right. And I think like, I had to differentiate. I mean, oh my God, I had to be like you. I was up your butt, which I'm sure messed you up in so many ways. I'm 18 months younger in school, two years behind, worked my ass off to be up your butt academically to play sports with you. I needed to be wherever you were, which did not give you any individual individuality. Right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, so my childhood origins say um, most sevens experienced a disruptive and painful event um, 
they feel their childhood ended before they were ready. Um, they To cope, they revert to an earlier time when they felt happier, connected, safe, and in control. Um, well, that's really fun. I love about that. The time my life was traumatized was when I was 18 months old. And <laughs> <laughs> when I rocked you off the rocking chair. Um, that's when you originally kill me the first love. two years of my life. <laughs> um, I think that the primary recall their child true for you. Does that um, ring true for you? Do you think your childhood ended early? I've never thought about it that way. Um, but I, if I think about disruptive, I mean, the fact that we moved around a lot was disruptive. Um, and I do think, um, just when things, when we were growing up and things were like emotionally very, intense. Um, intense. Um, I think I figured out ways to distract myself from that stuff and avoid it. It's interesting what it says, like often, many sevens often have a good relationship with one parent over the other. They typically prefer overprotective, permissive parent versus the authoritarian one. A ding, a ding, ding. I don't really care for authoritarian people in general. Um, country rulers, things like that, not so big on authoritarian in general. They learned that being imaginative, charming, and a good talker and entertaining are ways to disarm authority. Um, that's true, you know, especially when things get intense sometimes in conversations. I was going to say on this one, uh, which is interesting, you can look through that through the lens of how you handled it and how I handled it. So threes get really uncomfortable when there's no task to accomplish. They constantly seek out activities to keep them preoccupied and achieving so they can feed their own self-worth. Um, hmm. They have a deep dislike of being ignored. So, so prevalent in adulthood, it's formed in childhood. The younger three tends to move around a lot, flitting from social group to social group. Um, they are social chameleons um, and they often seem like little actors and children of this type shine through performance or achievements or looks through winning trophies and earning straight A's. So I guess it was like each of our ways of numbing and avoiding vulnerability for you, it was staying busy. And for me, it was achieving, but I don't, well, I don't and wanna, I think, like, I want to, I think that, so that being said, um, in the way that we grew up, particularly junior high and high school, it was the same thing, right? I mean, we, we both were very busy and very active and as a result achieved a lot. Um, right. That's what I want to say. I want to be like, first of all, when you're like, Oh, Jesse, the way that you parent is achieving. Listen up, girl. First of all, you're super smart. You went to like the number 19 college in the country and your children are brilliant and incredible athletes. Just want to point that out. You achieved. Yes. Um, I'm constantly struggling with making sure I'm provi providing my kids the right opportunities given their skills and talents. Um, and I, I feel like you, you guys have been more pushing on that. To relax more. Like you probably yeah. let your kids relax because you're doing yourself things, right? That's and true. I like don't break. So it's, I don't, I am not comfortable not being active. And so my children aren't allowed to not be active like you know what I mean where it's like okay that's what we're doing you're practicing the piano you're getting this what are you doing here let's go do this and I think you have a higher tolerance for nothing right of just like chilling 
Yeah, I like downtime. And that that's part and of so like when you say gluttonous instinctually, and this is wrong, but this is the achiever brain. I think that's gluttonous, but not in a judgy way to you. But for me, that would feel gluttonous. Well, I think what around. really seems gluttonous to me is like, you know, any given Friday going to the gym, having mimosas until I need to pick up my kids from school. That seems gluttonous. But I try to do that every single Friday. No, but that's, but that's your self-care routine to be able to get to a point. You correct me if I'm wrong, but you worked really hard to find a balance that worked for you and checking out on Fridays is what you need to fill your cup to get through yeah, the whole week. I think so. I think so. But it's again, you know, no matter what, you have to take a moment to be mindful of those things and to realize that that's why you're doing it. You're not just like racing through yet another day doing what you do in the routine. Um, but one thing busy with goals and achievement, I think it's the same. We're both avoiding, but what if you had an achievement and a goal of having, you know, some pool time on Friday or something, but see, the thing is, is maybe it's like, do you think that it's like a reflected sense of self and that you're looking for recognition from others? So there's this for like couples therapy, there's this like emotional needs questionnaire. I sent it to you before the emotional needs questionnaire. And my top one is a need for admiration, which is so interesting mm. in this lens. But for me, yeah, that's a need I have of recognition. I do. I have a need of recognition, but it is really met by you, mom, my friends, like, you know, just my friends would be like, oh my gosh, like <clears throat> when I have a party or when I do those things, people are like, wow, that's so amazing. That's all I need. You know, like just recognition of like, wow, look at what you put together, good, bad, or whatever. I have a need for that. Um, and so, uh, so anyway, I do think I have balance. I, I don't know if it's avoiding, I don't have the same, I don't have a need for the same amount of downtime as other people do. I don't think, but again, I could be avoiding, I'm doing work, we'll get there. But like I used to have Tuesday, Wednesday off. Every Tuesday I go do something with my friend, Teresa, right? Like I'm planning something with my friend, Stephanie in June. Um, and so for me, and but we're doing something again, cause I'm insane. But like when I'm with Teresa, we're either walking or bike riding. Is that achieving? I don't know. You tell me. I think that's... I think that's I don't you. have the ability to lay down. <laughs> I think it's you have you I'm taking time me. to kind of have some downtime and that's your downtime. Um, right. I, I think for me, the big thing is I do get bored easily. Um, I think that's even from a job perspective. It's why I like being like owning my own business and doing consulting work because I can't do the same thing over and over again. I, um, I lose interest very quickly. Um, I kind of go all in on something. And then once I get it to where I think it needs to go, then I'm kind of done with it. Um, but I like, it, it said for work, like freedom to pursue ideas. Yes. Friendly boss, democratic decision-making, absolutely respect and appreciation for ideas and contact with interesting people. Absolutely. I love working on diverse teams and I love traveling internationally and I really respect, you know, different points of view. Um, yeah. And for mine, the one, so at work, it says they're competent workers who achieve success. I would say one of the reasons why I like to, I'm a solo 
um, practitioner mm -hmm. um, is because I think I set the bar really high and everybody I've worked with sucks. I mean, obviously this sounds so egotistical in my mind. I've just, you know, like when you're working, working, working and achieving, achieving, achieving and everyone else you're working with isn't doing anything. It like, it's like frustrating or it's like, yeah. okay, we said we're going to get this done Friday. Where is it? Where's it at? Blah, 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 blah. And so it led to frustration for me. And it says competitive, fast paced and entrepreneurial environments that allow for performance. Um, a boss that doesn't micromanage. I've had bosses that micromanage. That was horrible. Um, but in, but I'm a therapist. I specialize in anxiety and anxiety-based disorders, trauma, PTSD, OCD, all of those things. I am completely fulfilled, love my job so much. And I would say maybe the ability to accomplish goals is so rewarding as like helping people heal would be, you know, so those are my opportunities, mm -hmm. but I, I don't feel like there's status, promotion, advancement, or ego in that because no one knows what the hell I do with a client. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like that's all confidential. And it says like the emphasis on winning at all costs and having it all is just not anything that I feel like is for me and workaholic. I would say no, not at all. I think I've worked so hard for the setting the, the boundaries. Um, it says when you were talking about, I'm going way down to the wings. I would say that when I read that I was an achiever, it sounds horrible. It's like this egotistical person that only cares about themselves and looks that was horrifying to me but when I read the wings right it says your your potential wings um are the types which are adjacent to your primary type and for most people right wings are a way to think about development so we understand who we are and then when you look at patterns to become a more well-rounded and better person depending on where you are in the life journey your wings are developed and so my wings it says the two wing are twos are caring empathetic people who want to establish themselves as generous and unselfish twos fear being unwanted so they adopt a strategy of people pleasing to prove they're worthy again the whole worthiness crap but um that that gives authenticity to the three personality type and I scored pretty high on a two. So I think um, that has helped me with empathy and balance. And it says, you know, wings help with generosity, empathy, encouraging calmness. And then I have a four wing. Fours are unique and self-aware people who wish to be admired for their individuality. The last thing they desired is to present a stereotypical persona to the world. Um, two is uh, um, a four wing contributes introspection, imagination, authenticity, and creativity. So I do think I have developed those wings and that has helped me not be this egotistical driven person that wants to squash everybody around them, right? Because I've developed empathy, authenticity, generosity. So I then I felt better about my three label. How about you? Well, my big wings were were actually one of them is three. So my two big wings are three and nine. Um, so three, three is nine. the achiever. What's a nine? Nine is um, desired to live in peaceful harmony with their environment. They oh, want the a sense. Maker. The peacemaker. Of, oh yeah, for sure. Um, they want to aspire to a kind of homeostasis where nothing disturbs their inner peace. 
they tend to be easygoing, accepting of what's happening around them, but can become resistant, willfully oblivious when something in the environment threatens to throw them off balance. So you're not laying around slothful, drinking champagne. You've got that achiever going on. Right. <laughs> and I'm drinking the champagne. I feel peaceful and harmony <laughs> is all around me. Um, yeah. And then the other one came up as another wing, which was um, defined by their belief that everything must be in order. They And by their feeling that they must always be right. They show great commitment and determination to improve conditions that need to Im need improvement, which is definitely me. I try to figure out ways to improve stuff. I don't always need to be right per se, but I try, I can see that in that I really try to be logical and level-headed in a way that I try to reach a conclusion that should be the common answer. Right. Um, so then I get frustrated when it's not. Um, and I think, you know, just the political environment nowadays is something that would be that, right? It's like, I'm just trying to be level-headed and look at things in a very um, commonsensical way. And I really have a hard time with people who, who don't see things my way when I'm creating such a thoughtful conclusion about something. Right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. No, that totally makes sense. And I, I see like another area I scored kind of high in, which I feel like I'm working back to develop that more. Well, well, not some of it, but they, they typically see themselves as fighters standing up for what is right and protecting the weak, which is how I think I was a huge part of my childhood, getting in the way of our family arguments, uh, you know, or in school protesting and fighting different fights. Um, it says an eight have easy access to their anger, um, which I think I did and I have worked hard to, worked really, really hard on not being, uh, not having emotional ang angry outbursts. Yeah, well, for me too, but I mean, that's kind of, I think what we were exposed to anyway, and <clears throat> learning how to, learning that that's not appropriate and, um, you know, really learning better ways to identify your emotion instead of reacting in that way. And I notice it a lot with my kids um, where I don't know if you notice that too, where it's like they're, and I don't know if it's as they mature, it gets better, but my, both my 11 year old and my eight year old right now react very angry and, you know, it escalates very quickly. So you're saying the boys react in anger. Yeah, they act, um, they react in a very angry way, um, yelling. And so I'm trying to work with them on how to, you know, how to not do that, right? Um, well, and I've heard, I heard this on a, on a podcast as well, but I've heard this before. And as a therapist, I know this, but anger is a secondary emotion, often preceded by pain or fear. Right. And so I think it's like with the kids too, like, is that the core thing? Right. Right. Or, and also anger is fine. It's how you deal with it. Right. That can not be okay. Right. If you're like punching your brother, that's not great. Well, just in general yelling in a hateful way, right. Or an angry way and trying to get through the root of it. I think with my 11 year old, I sent him to his room 
because part of it is the issue I have sometimes is the temper and the, he has anxiety, but he gets so mad and you can just tell he just gets really emotionally angry. And so I send him to his room. Um, I've been sending both of them to their rooms because I think sometimes people need to like take a breather, dudes. Like you don't need to be that angry about anything. I don't know. I'm not a therapist. Nor do I pretend to be one. No, I think, well, I think we need to rate it's prevention and intervention. So we want to look at prevention. How'd you get that way and how can we not? And then intervention, when it happens, what can you do about it? And it's like, I think absolutely removing yourself from the situation and calming down. Because even in couples therapy, right, you need to self-soothe. You need to say, hey, if two partners are fighting or whatever, and one gets flooded, right? When you're flooded and your heart rate is above 100, according to kind of Gottman therapy, you're not, you're no longer like using your rational brain to yes. the point in doing anything or talking or, you know, you can't, you know, you just can't. So first you have to self-soothe and get back to kind of homeostasis. And so it's teaching, you know, go to your room. And if you need to have things there um, for them to do or talk about what they can do, and then, you know, then we'll reconvene, you know, and, and, you know, where are you going, what you're going to do, how long you're going to be there kind of thing. Um, but also I think, I think a huge piece is the prevention piece right? So you don't, because if you're walking around at a seven out of 10, it's not going to take much to get you to explode. You'd be a 10 out of 10. So how can you, right? Learn the tools you need to, to not be on edge. My mantra is, is, is what I need, right? I am loved and I am worthy even when I fail. You ready for this one? Yeah. Every experience is valuable worthy and extraordinary. Oh, okay. What'd you say yours was? I am loved and I am worthy even when oh. I fail. Um, and then it said like growth. I say, let's look over the growths and then we can, you know, growth tasks for threes, get off the hamster wheel, fail, allow yourself to make small mistakes on purpose, compete only with yourself, which I, I think I do now. And I, and I have failed and I'm not on a hamster wheel. Um, listen without an agenda, include others and be curious about what they're saying, um, focus on what really matters. So discover what really matters to you in your work relationships and have time to pursue it, which I'm working on and don't be afraid of intimacy. Try opening up to someone, um, which I think I'm, I'm working on as well. So what are your things there? Find joy in the ordinary. Notice when you're seeking out a heightened version of reality. Instead, start to notice the joy in the seemingly mundane, aka empty dishwasher for the laundry. Um, build deeper connections with people by being more consciously connected to yourself, which is interesting. Accept and allow all of your feelings, motivations, and intentions. Be honest about conflict and perceived criticism you are avoiding. Absolutely. That's definitely something I think I'm always working on. And I really feel I've done so much work in that, at least within my relationship with my husband in terms of, you know, speaking up when something bothers me instead of avoiding it. Um, notice when you're living in your imagination and learn to distinguish fantasy and reality. That's interesting. Um, well, I think if you create, <laughs> if you create a rich 
if you are like avoiding so much, right, you might have such a rich inner world that you're like, you know, you have to kind of like, okay, I don't know. I could see how that would make sense. Like you've got to, you've got to live in the pain and discomfort a little bit. Well, think about, think about like, even when I was in my twenties and I had a ton of credit card debt because I was living in a reality of afford a lot of things that I couldn't. (laughs) So that, you know, there's definitely still some like, you know, residual effects of that. Um, work to get in touch with your deeper feelings, um, release the past, which we did a lot of with our spiritual coach and, um, be honest with yourself about your progress. Be sure when you are working on a project or relationship, you aren't just working on it in your imagination. That's really Remember we always joke, right? Well, we always, you made me that shirt. Everything's it's fine. Everything's fine. It's totally fine. Cause it's it might, I'm fine. Everything's fine. Yeah. Um, everything's fine. <laughs> I like the other quote though, that if you go up, there was another quote I thought was really cool. Um, it is called, um, did you find the other quote? Your core belief. It's under core weakness. Um, mine says I have no weaknesses. <laughs> it's interesting. <laughs> well, you're nearly perfect. So that's fine. <laughs> oh, and oh, mine is okay. Core belief in order to be, oh, my core belief in order to be worthy, I must succeed or at least be perceived as successful. Oh, interesting. what is yours? I can imagine a better reality. I Wait, can. That's what it says. Yeah. I can imagine a better, a better reality. reality. Oh, okay, right. That's. I feel like you sound delusional. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's amazing. Everything's so good. I really have a hard time imagining. Uh, well, I would love to have a better reality sometimes, especially. But you know what that makes so oh, Kelly as, as a child. You talk about. You know what that, what is it, Zoolander, when he's like, am I taking crazy pill, pills? The way that you managed and responded to the emotional volatility of our home was as if you were on a tropical oasis. <laughs> like, if I look back and I'm like crying, I'm like, clearly mom and dad are getting a divorce. Our whole life is ruined. And you're just like sitting there. You know what I mean? Like looking I'm... back. And I would want to go to you for comfort, but you were like, whatevs, like what? It's whatever. And so it was like, you were just, you know, checking out. And I was like, you know, thinking. Maybe that's why some people perceive me as selfish, where in all reality, I was creating. I I wouldn't say selfish in that, but I would say like. um, I perceived myself differently. It's really what I. I would say a loop, maybe. I learned to kind of be into myself because I could control or I could like do something about that in some way. Um, I created this alternate narrative of myself. And right. I think and that's so if I, what did I me well. Things were crazy and you didn't respond. So, you know, when you say like, am I taking crazy pills? You know, it's like, I felt like really emotional and completely overreactive. You know oh, I mean? But I like, emotionally oh gosh, neglected all that. So, right? Oh, I just yeah. didn't process. So that. I would have been like, wow, something's wrong with me because Kelly is super fine. Yeah. I would just compartmentalize it. I feel like, and I created yeah. a different reality where that stuff wasn't happening. Yeah. 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 That's funny. Wait, what is your quote again? 
I can imagine a better reality. I mean, I think I could run for president on that one. Are you going to do anything, President? No. But in my mind, (laughs) we're there. there. All the policies, bam, Mm -hmm. inside. (laughs) Maybe you are the president. (laughs) 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 Oh, wow. Yeah, no, I think this was a good, uh, I think this was such a good. practice to go through is to answer those questions and look a lot of it rings true you can look at your life through the lens of your personality trait and then also where are your strengths and weaknesses and how you can continue to evolve and develop those wings you know yep and so we use truity um it's 20 bucks to take the personality test which is definitely worth it Um, it's, you get the results immediately and it's just a great way to sort of learn more about yourself as you continue your journey, um, of chasing brighter. Thanks everyone. That's all for today. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to follow us on chasingbrighter.com or on YouTube at chasing brighter or on Instagram at chasing brighter.